So, Andrew, here I have a reed that I've been playing for a very long time, and it's pretty easy, yeah. but it's starting to squawk. So, right. I've got here a brand new reed. It's got the yellow hemp on it still and everything. Yeah. It's really hard. So, yeah. when I put it in my chanter, I think I'm going to lick it. Okay. And then pinch it. Okay. And maybe lick it some more. What? Okay. Good? Bad? Right. Ugly? So... What you're asking me is, uh, should we do chain read manipulation or not? Yeah. Should I, like, a really, really talented read maker put this together. I yes. assume tested it. I purchased yes. it from them and they sent it to me. So mm -hmm. am I really now going to mess with what they've done? That's a good question. You have to ask yourself that question. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and, and it's a good point. So I'm not quite sure the best place to begin here. Uh, uh, but let's begin here. Uh, I've, I've spent 30 years piping, and I've spent at least 25 of those horsing around with reeds uh, and manipulating them in all sorts of fun and interesting ways. Um, and it, across those 25 years, I had various results. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes it sounded great. Sometimes it sounded awful. Occasionally it would ruin the reed. Uh, and then occasionally it would make the reed sound good. Uh, and then I think probably always shortened the lifespan of the reed itself. Hmm. Right? Making sense so far? Yep. What I'm saying? So, totally. Uh, so there's pros and cons to horsing around with your reeds and manipulating them. Uh, I think one of the pros is that you learn a lot about reeds uh, in the process of doing that. For example... If you took that hard read and you pinched it, okay, all of us listening probably already basically know the result, right? Result number one uh, that seems like a good thing is that the read feels easier after you pinch it, mm -hmm. right? And that's probably because uh, it's probably because we sort of manually are flexing the fibers of that read inward. Right. And then, uh, so the, I guess the blades are closer together and I think they're just ready to vibrate a little bit more easily or something. That's I what I always know, assumed. Maybe. Like instead of being yeah. like this and that's hard to get them going, they're like this and it's a little easier. Yep. But then there's other things too. So when you pinch a reed, what happens to the pitch of the reed of the pitch of the output? Right. And maybe at this point, some people might know exactly, I think, but other people might be like, Oh, it affects the pitch. Yeah. I'm um, actually not sure myself. Does it get sharper? sharper mm. for sure it gets sharper uh so there you go so when you pinch a reed it gets easier to play and sharper right yeah well, only and that's sort all, of right? right that's all it does <laughs> and that's not but that's and and then that's not all so that is a that's a temporary action that's the like so you know that's one of the things that you have to think about so it's i'm going to pinch this reed and it's going to get harder sorry it's going to get easier rather and it's going to get sharper yay but that's temporary how long does that pinch last? Yeah. Want me to tell you? I've, after pinching reeds for 25 years, you want me to tell you how long a pinch lasts? Tell me. because Go ahead. Tell me. I'm yeah. going to tell you. Get, uh, if you're a note taker, get out your pencil and paper right now. I'm going to tell you how long it lasts. Answer. After 25 years, I still have no idea. <laughs> I just know that it doesn't last forever. Right? Well, so I can like, tell is, you sometimes is that pinch it doesn't. Gonna, so yeah. Is that going to help my pitch increase? Is that going to make my bagpipe easier for like, I don't know, five minutes? 10 yeah. minutes, two yes. minutes answer. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I was going to say, I can tell you that so, sometimes it doesn't last long enough to get through amazing grace at a funeral and that can be disastrous. 
Right, exactly. That's a great point. And then um, how, uh, how much does a pinch shorten the lifespan of your read? Mm. I often wonder about that, yeah. Next question. And the answer is, after 25 years, I, and by the way, I don't do these things anymore myself, particularly, usually. Uh, and the reason why is like, okay, I don't know how, I don't know if that pinch is going to kill my read today. Oh, see, I it was probably assuming that the reason why was because you now have a, like a personal valet style uh, read manipulator that just follows you around at all times. And so you can just hand them your, your read and they just perfect it. An artificially intelligent bagpiping robot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, I don't have that. And every time I pinch my read, I don't know if that's going to be the last pinch. Ooh. Because at some point you pinch the read and I think the fibers probably just give out. It just doesn't spring uh, And bad. what you end up with is just something that sounds terrible forever. Yeah. yeah. Right? So there, there you go with the pinch. And by the way, uh, we, could take, um, we could take out our knife. Right? Because another thing you could do to a reed is you could shave it down. Mm-hmm. So we can get out our knife. And we could start going to town on this beautiful reed that some absolute reed-making master made for us. Uh, and then we can start carving it up. Uh, and then, yeah, but we could start taking some wood off because that's good, right? Uh, when you shave a reed, does that, what effects does that have? We know all the great effects it would have. Yeah, it makes it easier like, for sure. That's the main thing. Definitely makes it easier. And then what effect does it have on the pitch? I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm guessing it goes sharper, but really, I, I don't know. Oh, you don't know? Either. Oh, well, that no, makes me feel I mean, like, after 25 years of doing this, I have some ideas. But, yeah, I think it probably, it certainly makes it easier to blow the reed sharper. Ah. Right? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Oh, that's interesting. It, yeah, maybe that's what's going on. It does on. seem to have, especially depending on where you shave the reed, it will have certain interesting effects. Like, sometimes you can get the high hand to open up and flatten off a little bit and this, that, and the other thing. Some people say there's magical ways to get rid of a crow on high A. This all sounds interesting. But uh, what effect does shaving the reed have on the lifespan of the reed? Well, definitely it's not making it. the lifespan I'm, longer, bro. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's probably making it shorter. How much shorter? And then can you put the wood back on <laughs> when you're, after you're done taking it off? I've you never can't. tried. <laughs> right? You can't put the wood back on. So if you accidentally shave too far, that reed's a goner. So there's like all sorts of risks involved in shaving the reed. Okay? And then, uh, I don't know, we got lick. Oh, and then licking. Yeah. Licking is a good... Everyone out there you guys have to lick your reed right mm-hmm. just have mm-hmm. to do it you got to get all that slime and bacteria not and, just on uh, the outside i like to get it inside too oh yeah just uh, and what are those fungus called that are, uh killing everybody in that show cordyceps or cordyceps <laughs> or something those are scary like, you gotta, but you want yeah you want to get some some fungus in that reed uh it's going to be good but uh and then what does licking do Makes it easier to play. I've always felt like it made it like more flexible, like, like things yeah. would bend more easily, right? I'm with you on that one. I think that a lick definitely seems to make the reed more vibrant. It makes it, uh, it makes it, like you said, more flexible, more harmonic, a little bit better response. By the way, it'll also lower the pitch a little bit. Um, but then how long does a lick last? Yeah. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. How long does a lick last? Uh, I don't know. After a long, many, over two decades of doing it, I'm still not quite sure how long it's going to last. It's probably dependent on a wide array of different environmental variables. Yeah. So I, I live much... in a really dry place, and so if I'm not continuing to play so that the humidity of my breath is keeping it wet, it, it'll dry out even in the bag right. if it sits for long Exactly. Enough. So you want to lick, right? Except for uh, you, licking it might help, quote-unquote, help for a few minutes, but then it's going to evaporate again, typically, if you're in a really dry climate. 
right. uh, and et cetera, et cetera. And then what if you lick something in a climate where you shouldn't have licked it, but you just weren't the wiser? So now you have a reed that's like too wet. So <laughs> just like how do you the put reeds, the wood back on? How do you take that lick back? How do you unlick it? Yeah, you it? can't. It's hard to take the lick back. Yeah. It could probably be done if you had like a super hot ray gun or something. Yeah. Okay. But uh, so anyway, uh, licking is another really interesting thing. Um, and, uh, you know, resultantly, uh, my general strategy nowadays is I don't do any of that. Hmm. Uh, and I definitely, it, and I'm a pretty advanced player. Um, and, you know, I've played in high level bands and I've played in bands that do a lot of reed manipulation and those are very high level bands. And then I've played in very high level, like very high level bands that don't do anything at all. They, they, it's basically not really allowed. Right. Mm. It's like, it's like a no, no, like, please don't touch. Right. Uh, and then it, both of those bands were able to achieve an incredible sound. Right. It's interesting. So if, if that's true, like which one do you pick? Uh, you know, I would pick the lower maintenance option. And it's also an issue of opportunity cost, right? What do you mm -hmm. want to do today? You want to play your bagpipes or do you want to horse around with your reed? Right? Like, I kind of like just playing my bagpipes. It's pretty good. And like you said, reed makers, they're pretty good. They know what they're doing. So I'm just going to let them do that. And then there's a couple of things that, um, there's a couple of tips I can offer to help you resist the urge to manipulate your reed. Mm -hmm. I can offer a couple of tips. Yeah. Are you ready for tip number one? Give me tip number one. Tip number one is pick the correct read in the first place. Okay? Mm. That's, that's number one. So you pointed out that new read that you have that's just way too hard. Okay? Mm -hmm. So tip number one, don't play that read. It's too hard. Uh, pick a read that's the right strength for you. And let's not go into exactly how you would do that, but it's a really simple process. A little Googling. Uh, a little surfing of the dojo site, you'll find some good tips on like how to pick the right read in the first place. That's the right strength for you. But that's the first one. If, if you're not in the position to have to manipulate your read, you're in good shape. That's tip number one. Tip number two is like be patient. Something like licking the read. You don't have to lick the read if you're willing to just be patient for a couple of minutes. So the first five to 10 minutes that I play my bagpipes, I don't expect things to sound great yet. Because we need time to get some moisture in the instrument and to achieve that sort of equilibrium where the instrument is happiest, right? So usually five to ten minutes of playing. And at that point, no lick is necessary. In the very beginning, you might have wanted to give the reed a lick because it feels kind of stiff. Maybe it sounds kind of sharp on the high hand and whatever. If you just give it a few minutes, you'll be fine. So that's tip number two. And now the big question is, what was tip number three again? I don't have any... Recollection. Oh, I actually really like Yori Chisholm's uh, tone protector cap. That's another oh, yeah. great way. It's another great way to store the reed in a way where it doesn't dry out too much. So when you first put it in, you know, that can really cut down on that five to ten minutes of time that's required for the, the bagpipe to get settled the way that you want. And you can basically kind of just start it mm. at a nice layer of moisture. So I, I'm a big fan of those as well. And, you know, just... The main thing is start with the read that's good for you. Mm. I um, you I went maybe like an embarrassingly long an embarrassingly long time um, looking down on reads that were status easy at purchase. Like yeah. I was like, no, I'm a I'm a strong bagpiper. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. sell me the hard ones, hard medium at oh, the yeah. very softest, but sell me the hard Absolutely. ones. Absolutely. 
Um, only yeah. pretty recently did I start buying like easy reads because like those are actually a lot nicer to play. <laughs> right, and and um, you know we use a we use what we call the Scott and the Brave trick to determine if the read's the right strength for you. And what you'll find is easy is almost always plenty, mm-hmm. especially for beginners and intermediates, but even for advanced players. You would also, most people would also be shocked to realize how easy the bagpipes are at the highest levels. Oh, yeah, I've had that experience. Even in pipe bands, even I, in pipe bands. Like, we play reads that are a little harder in the top bands, um, but uh, in the intermediate and beginner bands, like, there are bagpipes there that are far harder than anything I'd be willing to play Yeah. Uh, at the highest levels. Like, people just have their facts mixed up there. Yeah, I borrowed a friend's pipes once who's, who played at grade one. He's a really, really good piper, and it mm-hmm. blew my mind. Just smooth as butter. Just the easiest. Efficient. But between yeah, the bag being and tight too hard. And, the, and the reeds being calibrated and that chanter read was so easy. I mean, like, I think I was pushing harder on my practice chanter at the time than I yes. was when I played his Highland Pipes. It's just mm-hmm. mind-blowing Absolutely. how easy it was. Yeah, and you can play. An advanced player, they can go up a couple levels of difficulty and probably be okay. But th- You know what I mean? And, and do fine, and the bagpipe would sound great. And there might be some slight advantage... Uh, in some select scenarios, like high-level li- high pipe bands, where that extra volume and crackle and stability mm-hmm. really might pay dividends. But for uh, the vast, vast, vast majority of people, the only thing that will pay dividends is a bagpipe that's comfortable for you to play, mm. right? So pick the right read in the first place. Well, let's talk about that more on another episode, because we can go, that rabbit hole can go pretty Yeah, uh, you bet, about picking down. a read. Yeah, but we don't want to have to do tons of manipulation to achieve that, okay? We, and we want to try to avoid it. Um, even Richard Parks, like, I've heard him teach about manipulations, but he'll always say one very interesting sentence at the beginning before he talks about read manipulation. He's always like, by the way, I would never really do this unless, you know, unless there was, the read was basically a goner anyway mm. or we were in some sort of extreme scenario, mm. You know, so even, you know, it, even people that teach about read manipulation, most of them will concede that it's like, oh, by the way, I actually don't really do this that often. So, Andrew, <laughs> do you think that do you think that all of us as pipers should at some point in our life go through like a horsing around phase so that we get yes. more familiar with reads? But then no we doubt. should have an expectation that we kind of leave that phase behind at some point eventually. Yeah. So uh, I keep a dead read bin. Oh, me too. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like reads that are no good anymore, I usually chuck them in a bin because there's almost always some point in the future. It might be next week. It might be 10 years from now where it's kind of like just in the mood to horse around with some reads today. Hmm. Right. And so like I take these reads out of the dead read bin and they're almost all horrific. But then you get out your tools. You get your poker out, your shaver out, your rubber band out, you, you, your pinching, your pinching fingers out. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of go to town on these reads. And, and like you try to get them to sound good. And there's so much that could be learned from that. I've had some amazing uh, surprises from my dead read bin. I, I've got a G1 read over here on my, on my desk me. here. No, here, that's okay. I shouldn't have said the brand name, huh? <laughs> but, oh, no. I mean, G1 reads are, they never go in the dead read bin. Right. Of course no, not, right? No. But All this one I no. mistakenly had put in the dead read bin. <laughs> my mistake, oh, okay. not the reads problem. It's all reads, now, all good reads must die. But I got this one out, man, and it's it's now its second life has been longer than its first life. Yeah, I have no totally explanation did. for why, but like here it is, it's just cruising along now. Like you said, you you might have mistakenly tossed it in the first place, or you might just be in a different position now, 
uh, maybe you're stronger, maybe you have better uh, control over the instrument, or maybe you have a different chanter or something like that, or maybe the drone reads are calibrated this time. Like, who knows? Mm. Uh, but yeah, you can... Uh, I was just saying no earlier because uh, I usually don't have much success with the dead read bin. Yeah. It's like usually a new read that's the right strength for me that's been selected carefully. It's like usually that's the way to go. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, should you manipulate your read, I highly advise against it. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it, it's an opportunity cost thing. Every moment that you spend horsing around with your read is not being spent on the important things, right? Which is setting up your bagpipe correctly, developing good tonal quality, learning the ins and outs of tuning, transitioning your practice chanter tunes onto the bagpipes. Like, that's what we need to be spending our time on for 95% of us, right? Not being able to, like, try to squeeze a little bit of extra quality out of our read. And by the way, we shouldn't really be playing a read that's too hard in the first place. Always remember that. I think that's the root cause of a lot of these issues. Mm-hmm. Like, what are chanter read manipulations usually? They're usually feeble attempts to make the read easier. Yeah. Yep. Like, how often is a chanter read manipulation actually for the purposes of attempting to get the read to sound better? Not usually. Yeah, almost never. Usually it's just to make it easier. And then again, why did you pick that hard read in the first place? There's some logistical things. Like, let's say you have to order reads uh, through the mail. And then the reads show up and they're too hard. What do you need to do? Unfortunately, kind of like a pair of shoes that don't quite fit. Unfortunately, you just need to kind of send it back and you just need to say, sorry, uh, that was too hard. But there again, please don't lick them first. Yeah. Well, there you go. And then with the whole, with the whole uh, <clears throat> worldwide pandemic thing, that gets even trickier. Like, oh, did you, wait, did you blow on those reads? Because once you blow on them, you can't send them back, mm-hmm. which makes it a pretty difficult yeah. proposition. But how did the read maker test it without blowing on them? Yeah, I've I've thought before about like, you know, have I have I essentially like kissed Adrian Melvin as much as any of his romantic partners yeah. at this point in my life? Uh, yeah, maybe in some ways I have. <laughs> yep, probably. We uh, all have, and, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey everybody, Andrew Douglas here from the Piper's Dojo, and I just want to say thanks so much for listening to today's iteration of the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, it would be super helpful to us and to a lot of bagpipers out there trying to find us. If you could give us a top-notch review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, particularly Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, and things like that, your review would be really, really helpful. So if you have a moment today, definitely go over there and help us out. Other than that, until we meet again on the podcast or somewhere else, thanks again for listening. Thank you.